Welcome everyone to a, another Chaos and Comics review. My name is Chris Sarda. You can find me at Chaos and Comics on Instagram and Twitter. And today I'm going to talk about the DC comics that I read today. And if you've uh, been listening to me complain over the last six months or so, uh, you'll know that this is very strange um, for me to be talking about uh, this many DC books anyway. Um, and I'll just run it down for you. Uh, I've com I've complained about DC on and off being sort of bored with them, although three DC comic books made my top ten and zero Marvel did, but they were like they were like the black label kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> uh, DC has raised its prices for something sort of silly, which I'll complain about later. And uh, a lot of you guys know that I just complain about aftershock and doing four ninety nine issue number ones. DC. Going forward, a whole bunch of their books are going to be four ninety nine or more. Um, and also, uh, I've also you know, complained about, like a lot of us have, complained about digital being the same price. Right? It didn't doesn't feel right that you wouldn't have something solid in your hand, and uh, and and it be the same price as the actual physical object you can resell or give away or trade or something like that. Um, but I guess I I just got over the last week. I got used to just pressing buy on Comixology and whatnot. And uh, I did that today too. And what's funny too about it is that this $7.99 and $4.99, I didn't buy them all at once. So I didn't have like the hit of going, is it really worth it spending 40 bucks on, uh, you know, question comics of questionable uh, quality and comics that uh, I, I already know I don't like that much or are, I'm not that interested in, um, with the exception of one or two of them here? And uh, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. It was really easy if you buy them one at a time um, throughout the day when you feel like reading them. So I don't think this would be a habit or anything, but I just felt like reading them and I could just get them easily, right? And uh, to be honest, it's probably still better than like if I go out and buy a beer for seven bucks or something like that. So anyway, let's get into it. Um, let's start out with uh, Joker number one. Um, James uh, Tynan and Gillian March did this uh, together. And um, uh, so before we get into the whole Joker mess, if you if you read this book, you realize that it probably should be called Jim Gordon or Commissioner Gordon or something. But you can't call a comic book Jim Gordon. You know, you have to call it or a show. You have to call it Gotham if it's a TV show. You have to call it joker uh if it's a hey if it's a comic book and you have to put like a crazy picture of joker uh of joker's big fat face on the cover and uh he has to murder people and stuff like he always does um but uh you know this is coming on the heels of the joker war there was a what i think people just take in as a elseworld story the three joker story and then there was a there's been a lot of joker and harley and black label and stuff um and uh, people feel like he's being, like he's just overused, that DC just uses him all the time. And um, we definitely had peak Joker uh, through the pandemic and the return and stuff like that. Uh, but I've, uh, I've made this point a couple of times. I don't, I mean, was he overused? We went a few years where he wasn't used at all. Uh, Tom King's run, Joker was a side character. Uh, you know, used occasionally, and, uh, you know, he'd make some appearances here and there, 
but he was uh, very much a side character. You didn't see him very much in Detective Comics, at least I don't remember seeing him for a while in, in Detective Comics. And um, and yeah, so uh, it's like when he showed up, he showed up in full force. It was like they were holding back all these Joker stories and they just threw them all out there. So I think that uh, him being overused is a, a little bit um, of perception, but uh, perception matters more, right? Sometimes like if you perceive something to be the way it is, that's gonna, that's, uh, you know, that's going to affect your opinions and your actions and stuff. Um, but, uh, from my point of view, I've never really liked Joker, you know, his origin story has always been muddy and, um, you know, he's, he's just a bad guy. And we've had that question being asked and never answered. Does Joker make Batman or does Batman make Joker? We've had that question being asked for a long time. Uh, nonetheless, I read this and, uh, you know, I was okay with it because it was more of a Jim Gordon story, uh, and uh, and James Tynan d uh, did well um, on something that uh, that I think was comparable to to Rorschach that came out also today. Um, so the the vast majority of the uh, of the book is is a narration, and so it's in the little you know the little narrative boxes, uh, which I do which I find uh, no annoying most of the time, like. You can't choose between prose or or whether you're writing a comic book. But with that said, uh, this worked. Um, you know, the contents of the narration were a little bit boring. Same stuff. You know, that sort of went through the history, touching on the history of what the Joker's done to uh, yeah Commissioner Gordon or Jim Gordon and his family, um, and uh, and his son and whatnot. So that was just sort of pretty pretty basic. But um, what I noticed, and also in Rorschach, which I'll, I'll move into here in a second, is uh, is it was an example of of, a, of of showing that writing is a lot more than the words you put in the bubble or the narrative. Because as he's explaining that stuff, um, you're seeing Jordan go through his day, you know, and talk about things, and Joker sort of following him, right? So Gillen March. Um, I should, I should figure out how to pronounce his first name, but Gillen March, you know, is drawing Joker, looking through him through a window at a, a coffee shop or wherever they were. And uh, as I was reading that, and I read Rorschach uh, either before or after it, um, you saw that same, saw a little bit of that same, um, that same mode where the, the prose and the words were telling a story, um, but uh, there was a lot of writing going on uh, as far as what happened, what was happening with the pictures, you know, almost, it's not separate. They, they, uh, complement each other, but, uh, you did see that. So overall Joker was fine. I mean, I'm not going to go out of my way, um, to read it again. It's one of those, if it's a slow month or something like that, uh, I liked it fine. Uh, the art was beautiful. Um, Joker's in a lot of ways, just like Joker is to me, um, you know, low hanging fruit for actors. I think he's also a low hanging fruit for artists and comic books. You know, you could always make the Joker look cool. You just could be a little bit sick of him, kind of thing. Um, so it was fine. I may or may not get get it again or read it again. I, I feel the same way about this Joker as I do Batman One of Six. Like it was fine, and I just uh, moved on. Rorschach, uh, on the other hand, uh, was very good. Uh, what you know, where, where I linked the Joker and Rorschach were that this is a this um, the majority of this comic book was uh, in letters between the writer and the uh, the main protagonist in the past, uh, the a woman named Laura, uh, who appears to be 
trying to assassinate someone in that first issue. And uh, the majority of this is letters, like fan letters between a fan and a, and a, and a comic book writer. And you get a lot of the same thing. Um, Jorge Fornes is, uh, is a wonderful author or um, artist too. I, th I think Gillian March is probably, I like that art a little bit better. Fornes does a little bit too much of the dark eyes thing that um, sort of annoys me. I don't like it when, uh, when uh, eye drawing is very lazy where it's just like the darkness in the eye. I, that's like my problem with um, the person that uh, I can't remember the artist now that does old guard. I love old guard. I love the art, but the, the BDI thing um, sort of makes characters look uh, like a little bit more soulless to me. So I've never liked that. But when he does draw the eyes, like in a close-up, they look great. And uh, everything else about the art is great in Rorschach. Um, just the, uh, you know, there was a lot of opportunity to, you know, just show Laura sitting down or whatever in like whatever city or whatever place she's in. And uh, the colors and the art were all beautiful, very simple, you know, not action scenes or anything like that. And you're reading this letter as Tom King's want to do, you know, do these big monologues. In this case, they were letters. And uh, you could see story playing out as uh, she's talking about com something completely different. So these two, this time where in uh, the, the Joker, the narrative was sort of complementing it, even though it was a little bit different. Uh, these two were a lot different uh, in a lot of cases. So we got to see sort of some of Laura's background and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I still got to say, um, I should say Tom King, George Fornes, uh, Dave Stewart on the colors and uh, Clayton Cowles, the letterer. Um, you know, I should say the say, thing I say every time is, you know, it's going to be, it's really easy for Tom King stuff to say it should be read in trade. And it, it's not, it's not that it's not true. It is true. Um, because I, you know, I have trouble remembering what happened and, and especially Tom King's current style and all three of his books, uh, you know, he's left, um, you know, he's left the nine panel dialogue, you know, weird situation thing a little bit behind it's not gone a little bit behind and all three of his books now have all these strange um you know time breaks and uh are happening in different points of time all three of the books that are, he has out right now are doing that uh so you know I'm, I'm getting a little confused and i can't remember certain things uh which i think would be you know would flow a lot better in trade so that is true even though it annoys me and i'm saying it too but it's true it's true for batman and catwoman uh, so far, and it's uh, it's true for Strange Adventures too. So, uh, but I am enjoying it. Uh, a lot of what I enjoy about Tom King isn't, you know, his like grand narrative um, that I think that we associate with writers, uh, good comic book writers. You know, we have this like idea that they have this Bible and this grand narrative going on. You know, um, especially uh, the people that we think of as good comic writers, the British Invasion people, as uh, me and Gore Vidal were talking about um, in the comments, comments of my other video. Uh, but Tom King's not that. Like, he's just not that. I enjoy the sentences, the structure, um, the conversations between characters and whatnot. And then I, I just put it all together later. Uh, at some point, I'll read it in trade or I'll sit and read the whole thing. You know, I've been meaning to do that with Mr. Miracle because I read that uh, in a very uh, disjointed way too, right? So I don't, you know, I don't think I have the... I don't, I don't think I ever got the full picture of Mr. Miracle if you want me to be um, serious. I've just enjoyed every issue and sort of like been happy to live in this cloud a little bit, which is, um, you know, what Tom King puts you in a lot uh, often. So anyway, Rorschach was good. I continue to enjoy it. I will continue to buy the singles. 
um, because I just, I like to read it. It's just like a refreshing read to me, whatever he's doing and the way that he does it. Uh, next up that I read is uh, Superman number 29. So um, I've been excited for Philip Kennedy Johnson to take this over. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure why, moderately sure why. So he's writing this and action comics. Um, Phil Hester's on this art. Uh, Eric Gapster on the inks, hi-fi colors, and uh, uh, David uh, Sharp on the letters. I actually wrote down notes today so I can make sure I'm quick. Um, it's easier for me to remember what's happening when I'm holding the books and I can like flip through them and get reminded, but if I'm not, it's a little bit weird. So um, so I'm a, like I'm all in on Superman, and I don't know why. I guess uh, maybe I was looking for an opening. Um, really there's no sense for me to, to start this run. I might as I, if I were smart, I could just wait and, uh, and, and, you know, dip in and read two or three issues when they're all out and stuff. Um, I guess I have to work in action comics into this too. Uh, cause I, I still haven't read all-star Superman. Like, why would I start reading this? And I haven't read, you know, what's, what most people would say is Superman's best run. I've just never read it. Like if I feel like reading Superman, I want to try out Superman despite my me having a you know the the same critical opinions a lot of people have a superman why would i just do this one and not all star i don't know why I, I don't know why i do what i do um but uh something about what philip kennedy johnson said intrigued me that he's going to go more cosmic route with this superman so i don't know how much he's going to actually spend on uh on earth here i also don't know um you know i also don't know how much this is going to mix with action comics. Cause when he said what he's doing with Superman is he's going to take it on a, on a more cosmic level. Then does that mean that Superman essentially ships twice and just one of them is called action comics and one of them is Superman. Um, so that's a little bit weird. So I don't know if we're going to have separate arcs going on or if they're going to be mixing or, or what's going to, what's going to happen. It'll be especially weird if there's two artists on it. Right. Um, so uh, I'm all in on it for that. I mean, not all on, in on it where I'm going to stick with it no matter what, but uh, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm definitely, I definitely want to see what he was talking about. And uh, a cosmic Superman's intriguing to me because, you know, it just feels like there's too many, especially DC, where everyone's so powerful. It feels like there's too many heroes just hanging out on Earth, you know? Um, so maybe we can get something really creative going on with uh, Superman in space. Uh, other than that, I think, um, you know, I think uh, as a single issue, if if I weren't like more bought into it, uh, I, I probably wouldn't have liked it. If uh, if you're the kind of person that was like, oh, I'll try it and see it, and, and this issue was going to make it or break it for you, I don't think that you would. I don't think you would have found something especially intriguing here. You know, for some reason, Superman can be injured and his son can't be. And uh, you know, the, what they fight is, I know that they're supposed to be throwaway villains but they really look like throwaway. But they look like the brood, which is, you know, they look like a cheap ripoff of the brood, which is a, a big insult because the brood from X-Men are a cheap ripoff of aliens, right? So you're a cheap ripoff of a cheap ripoff. Um, so I thought that could have been done a little bit better. I get it that they're just supposed to be fighting something, you know, but um, yeah, they look, they look bad. And in fact, Phil Hester's art wasn't that great for Superman. I don't think, um, you know, it almost looked like uh, like you just like someone drew a silhouette, and then you just did the most simple line work inside to draw their faces. 
So I don't, I don't think that didn't work for me. So I hope it's a little bit different in action comics. I'm not sure who's drawing action comics. I didn't read any solicits. You know, I'm going off a of Superman purely from um, like just thinking Philip Kenny Johnson, you know, was pretty good on Last God and then thinking that, oh, that's going to be pretty cool for it to be mostly cosmic. So uh, as a single issue, I don't think this is going to be something that would grab someone. Also, the backup story was so stupid. The backup story in in uh, in uh, Joker was really stupid, too. It was punch. It's my first punchline comic I ever read because I didn't read any of Joker War and I was reading uh, Hell Awakens or whatever by Tynan when no one cared about it uh, but then Punchline's first appearance or cameo appearances in it and it sold out right so um, so I've never read anything with Punchline in it and this is probably not the best start that that little stupid story in the back um, same with uh, Batman like I don't I haven't heard anyone anyone say that they think it's cool that they should be charged an extra dollar and have a backup story in the back. And I haven't heard anyone really say that they've liked any of the backup stories. Now, I'm sure there will be a good backup story eventually. Rom B is doing the Justice League Dark backup story in, in the regular Justice League. But um, I haven't heard anyone like it. I haven't heard anyone think it's a good idea. You know, the only guy I can imagine just thinking it's a good idea is Bruce from Bruce and Stephanie, um, which you guys should go to his channel. He's great. But uh, I could just imagine him going, oh, for an extra dollar, we get a whole brand new story? DC's killing it. I could just imagine him doing that. But everyone else wouldn't care. I don't think everyone else is probably annoyed by it. And I'm annoyed by it, too. So uh, especially since I haven't read a good one uh, through Future State and through all of these. Um, and these two were especially terrible. You know, no, you know, no... Uh, you know, I like, I can't remember who was writing him. I didn't write it down. I remember, I think I like both the writers that wrote it, wrote him, but it was just silly. At Mirka Andolfo wrote, uh, drew the backup story for Punchline and it was probably her worst artwork I've ever seen. Like, you know, Mirka Andolfo, when you flip through one of her books, you're like, oh, the, the art sort of catches your eye, whether the writing does or whether it works for you is different, but the art does sort of catch your eye. It was just, it looked like pretty lazy to me actually for the Punchline one anyway. So anyway, um, it, I mean, DC Comics really not worth it. That extra dollar is not worth it for those backup stories. And um, I have a feeling that we're going to see them for six months and they're going to start disappearing. I just have a feeling. And the only reason I say six months is because so much is written and planned ahead, right? Uh, next up is Batman Urban Legends. Now, this is was an expensive one. This one, I think, was $7.99. You know, I probably, I, I think I get 15% off in comics all year. So it was really expensive and I really bought it for one guy, one story. So I paid $7.99 for Zdarsky's first Batman story, which is not even a Batman story. Batman's in it, but it's not even a Batman story. It's a Red Hood story. And then I only read one of the other ones, which was the Grifter story by uh, Matthew Rosenberg. So two Marvel writers, uh, primarily Marvel writers, you know, moving over to Batman Urban Legends. Um, there's a Stephanie Phillips story in there and I like Stephanie Phillips and I may eventually read it, but I didn't feel like it was a Harley story. And then, um, I can't remember who wrote and draw the outsider story. So I, I just didn't have that much interest in them. Um, what I will say is it's eight bucks and it was, it's something like 70 pages or something. So they're almost, um, the Red Hood story was 22 pages. So the other ones have to be a little bit shorter, smaller, but they're, excuse me, they're almost full issues. So. It is a good deal, but it's not really Batman. It's an outsider story, a grifter story, a Red Hood story, and a Harley story. So um, probably not the best deal for most people. 
And uh, at the end of the day, the um, the uh, the Zdarsky story was like it was a uh, it was Daredevil ish, you know. Um, so Red Hood is obviously kills, but he is not killing because he's in Gotham. He like he's narrating to himself and. He says, this is the compromise I made, which is funny because Batman won't work with Red Hood in this. But, you know, in this continuity, in Batman 106, he is working with uh, whatever the hell that I forget what the other what the guy he's working with now is it Clown Hunter. No, I can't remember. Anyway, he's working with him, uh, but he kills and Batman has to keep reminding that guy. So, you know, the don't kill kill thing is, is really getting old. Um, Zdarsky tries really hard to, uh, set up Jason Todd or Red Hood, you know, spoiler alert, if you didn't know, uh, Jason Todd was Red Hood, he, Red Hood, he's alive, you know, Joker killed him, but then he really didn't. Um, you know, Zdarsky, it was a little bit creative the way he set up, you know, um, Red Hood killing someone and feeling bad about it, you know, a, an actual criminal, but it's, it was Daredevil-ish because he started with that with Daredevil. You know, Daredevil accidentally killed someone in that first arc uh, of his Daredevil. You know, and uh, I, I don't, I don't know. It's like everyone's killing and they're not killing Batman. You know what we need? We need a superhero to come in uh, and decide that Batman's too harsh. You know, so where we can test Batman's level of violence because there's just too much of you know, there's too much Red Hood and we're a killer and you know. Batman's from other molts, you know, other dimensions that are killers and bad and and Clown Hunter is a killer and Batman doesn't kill, you know. What if we had someone else go, "Hey, you're roughing these guys up too much. The, you know, they had a hard life, you know. Why don't we, you know, why don't we why don't we arrest them or or use our skills to uh, do it without so much violence?" I mean, it would be a terrible comic book, but why not do that? I don't know. Um and then the Grifter story was sort of funny. I don't know. Grifter is Apparently, Grifter is now a, a Bat Family character. <coughs> he was, ooh, excuse me. <coughs> he was, uh, you know, he was the bodyguard for Lucius Fox, which I didn't even realize till like the middle of the issue. I didn't realize that was Lucius Fox, Lucian Fox. Am I saying that right? And it was like, I guess it was sort of funny. Um, you know, Grifter. Wildcats, people don't realize, was actually turned pretty serious, not from the 90s, but from like all the stuff Warren Ellis wrote recently. Um, but now it's funny again. Now it's like sort of tongue in cheek and funny. So uh, it was good enough. It was a good enough story. You know, I'm not, I don't regret reading it, but it's not going to go down as like, you know, Matthew Rosenberg's breakout DC story or whatever. So anyway, that's all I got. Those are the four DC comics I read. Uh, that's a 22 minute video. I didn't even hold anything. My camera's still going nuts with this fucking with this freaking auto uh, auto focus. It's driving me nuts. Thank you guys for watching um, at Chaos and Comics on Instagram and Twitter. Let me know um, how much you hate DC down there, or how much you love it, or which of these you read, and um, you know where we align or disagree on things. Uh, I especially like talking about not like I like it, I didn't like it. You know, I I feel like I have to frame stuff in there, but. Um, you know, if you read Rorschach and Joker, you know, I, I liked more talk about like the way the stories were written, um, you know, a little bit more what I talked about that kind of, you know, at that level rather than, you know, just thumbs up, thumbs down all the time. Anyway, thank you guys. I'll see you guys next time.